Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. The topic for this conversation is friendship and specifically what to do and how to manage when you notice that perhaps a friendship that in the past has brought you so much value and joy, or perhaps it never did, perhaps it was a friendship out of circumstance, whatever the case, but when you notice that you have a friendship in your life that feels much more negative then it does positive. A friendship that feels like it's taking all the time and never giving. This conversation is with Dr. Hannah Coral. Now, Hannah has written a book on how to break up with friends. Friendship is such a big topic. It's one that I am asked about all the time. I think particularly because I know a lot of listeners are women in their late 20s or in your 30s, even moving into your 40s. And as we go through these different seasons and stages of our life, we do lose touch with people or we move in different directions or perhaps realize that we have changed so much that we need to reevaluate who we're spending time, energy and resources really And so this conversation with Dr. Hannah really centers around identifying when a friendship or a person is potentially toxic to you and your wellness. And we unpack that word toxic because it's a bit of a loaded word, but it is one that Dr. Hannah uses and she's written a book. She's written a book on how to break up with friends. Now, Hannah is a neuropsychologist as well as a registered clinical psychologist. She holds her master's in clinical neuropsychology and a PhD in neuroscience. She has completed over a decade of study to become qualified in conditions of the brain and psychology of relationships. Her PhD specializes in analyzing the neurological correlation of attention and language language disorders, (laughs) trust me to get caught on the word language, (laughs) using the diffusion-weighted neuroimaging technique. She currently works as a senior clinical neuropsychologist for inpatients in hospital settings and runs a private neuropsychology practice in Sydney. And so the book that she has written is called How to Break Up with Friends. And so it's about identifying that friend that could be in your life who perhaps expects the world, but maybe never remembers your birthday or someone who's constantly canceling plans on you or leaving you feeling exhausted, used and emotionally drained or battered. Dr. Hannah really is passionate about people sliding back into the driver's seat of their own life, getting in touch with what they want and need from a friendship and putting boundaries in place. I really enjoyed speaking with Dr. Hannah. Now, before we get stuck into my chat, I wanted to take a moment to let you know today's podcast is brought to you by 
Esme. Esme is the skincare brand that I am always and forever banging on about. I believe wholeheartedly in Esme products. I've been using them myself exclusively for years. In particular, the Hydrating Hyaluronic Skin Treat Serum, which is the blue bottle that they are iconically known for. Like if you think of Esme, you will probably have a visual of that blue serum. It's such a wonderful product. It really, really over delivers. I love that. And also their 24 karat gold nourishing oil. Those two are, I would say, my favorite skin treats consistently. And they make such a difference in the hydration and the glow of your skin. So I have an amazing deal to share with you when it comes to Esme. I don't actually think they've given a code this high before. So I have a 30% off discount code to share with you. That's huge. So use the code Kylie, all in capitals, and then the numbers three zero. So Kylie 30 for a huge 30% off. This is only valid from today until Monday, the 28th of June. So this is an offer that is happening in real time. And I will put a link for you in the show notes. The only exclusion for this huge discount is on gift cards. So this means the 30% off applies to masks, cleansers, also to the SBF sun cream, which right now I think we all really, really need to lean into looking after our skin, not just in terms of hydration and repair, also in terms of protection. It's really, really at the forefront of my mind lately. So jump over to the Esme website, check out their products. They have such a huge range of items and they have the best customer service of any brand I've ever, ever shopped with, let alone been fortunate enough to partner with. That code again is Kylie30, all in capitals. Check out the skin treats. The 24 karat gold nourishing oil is one that I think makes the best biggest difference when it comes to glowy skin. It's just this heavenly, luxurious oil. It smells incredible like you've been to a day spa. And I know for busy women, particularly if you have young children, that 10 seconds of like pure luxury really can put a spring in your step and make you feel like you're really honoring yourself and looking after yourself. And I love glowy skin. I think that dewy skin really gives you, I don't know, like a youthful, fresh appearance. And I always put mine down to the 24 karat gold nourishing oil. So jump over, use the code Kylie30 to save 30% off stock up. If you have birthdays coming up, now is the time to spoil the people that you love. All right. I could talk about Esme nonstop for hours, but I'll leave it there. That code Kylie30. All right. Let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Hannah. I really, really hope you enjoy this chat. As always, it would mean the world to me if you take a screenshot right now, pop it up on your Instagram, tag me at Kylie Camp so I can share it on my stories too. I hope you enjoy this one. Hannah, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have this conversation with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kylie. It's really nice to be here. This topic, and when I say this topic, I mean friendships. It's such a big one. I have a lot of um, people who listen or follow along online who are in their late 20s, early 30s and late 30s, and friendship always comes up, whether it's how do I let go of a friendship? How do I maintain a friendship? How can I make new friends? Yeah, it's yeah. such a big topic. Yeah, it's, I think, you know, one of the cool things that I've noticed since publishing the book um, was how many people came to I don't know, reach out to me via Facebook or via Instagram and send me a message to say like, oh my God, this is happening to me. I've had toxic friends. I thought it was, I thought it was just me. And, and the, I mean, the sad part, Kylie, is like the deep sense of shame and guilt that people feel like that they're in some way defective or that they're, there's something wrong with them themselves that, that has caused them to have these issues with, you know, chronic toxic friends. Um, but I guess the really reassuring thing is every single person that I have spoken to about this, and it's a lot of people, has said, oh, yes, I have had a toxic friend before. Um, so it's just so common. 
Absolutely. And I would love to start with the word toxic and unpack it a little bit, Hannah, because I mean, when I think of the word toxic, you can go down one path and you can go very, very clearly and see obvious toxic behaviours that someone might have. But then I think there's the other path where it's more about more nuanced kind of toxic, I guess, insidious behaviours that actually might not mean someone's toxic it's just that there's some sort of chemistry between the two of you that leaves it leaves kind of a toxic feeling so I guess I guess what I'm saying is there are you know situations settings people that are maybe objectively toxic but then there are times when it's just like two people just don't get along that well and it leaves you feeling that kind of fog of toxicity if that makes sense Yes, I, I love how you just described that because I always, I get this question a lot, what is toxic? And we talk about it a lot in the book, like what what is the toxic behavior? Um, and I think you and I could probably chat for hours and hours and hours if we kind of defined every single behavior under the sun <laughs> that constitutes when someone's being toxic. Um, that You're absolutely right. There are some behaviors that are really, really overt, really explicit toxic behaviors. Like the person has called you an idiot. They've physically pushed you or shoved you. They've taken money and they haven't returned it. Um, something that's very, very explicit um, and really easy to identify bullying type behavior. And then you have the trickier behavior, the harder behavior, which is something that's covert and kind of hidden. Yes, the stuff you can't quite put your finger on, but you know it doesn't feel right. (laughs) The manipulation, the the passive aggressive, the gaslighting, the things that happen in the moment and and you don't even kind of realize what's happened until you've left the situation and it's been, you know, several hours later or several days later where you've been lying in bed awake at night and you've realized actually that kind of wasn't okay. Um, so I kind of think, you know, and in the book we do have a, we do have behavioral modification exercises. I'm, I'm a neuropsych, so I like to really, really nut down behaviors to fit, help you figure out what's the trigger and, you know, how, what is the behavior and identify it. But I think a really, really great quick and easy step to go to is, you know, go with the feel, go with the feel. So if you feel anxious in the lead up to seeing this friend, because you never know if they're going to be, you know, a lovely person to you, or is today the day that they're going to be horrible to you again, you know, it makes you feel really, really apprehensive and anxious in the lead up to hanging out with them. If during the interaction you feel put down, made to feel ashamed, made to feel pathetic, made to feel embarrassed, made to feel excluded or harassed while you're actually there. Um, Or if when you leave the interaction, and this is a big one, you feel worse than before you entered that interaction. You feel worse, whether it's because that person has been overtly toxic, covertly toxic, or maybe that person absolutely drained you of all of your emotional energy because they took and they took and they took and they took and there was zero reciprocity there and you walk away from the interaction feeling far worse than before you entered it now that's why I say go with the feel if you're struggling to identify what the behavior is we'll go with the feeling inside yourself because feelings are there for a reason they're there to protect us Kylie uh, and we don't feel them unless they're trying to protect us from something and they're trying to tell us something so if you're feeling worse that is trying to tell you that something is not quite right with this relationship Absolutely. I'm often saying like our body gives it away. Like our body will tell us if something is off and then it's up to us to try and interpret it and actually take action from there. But I know so many people and I've definitely been in this situation where you know something is off, but you struggle to actually take that action in putting a boundary in place Why do people find it really hard to assert themselves when they know that things don't feel right, but it's like, oh, I just can't quite, I don't know, respect or honour myself enough to call it what it is and break off a friendship? I love this. I love, love, love this question. I, um, you know, as you know, like I took the time to also make an app, Assert Yourself. 
And the reason I made that app was because my little sister, who I love and who's like, she's like my daughter in a way, she called me. Oh, sorry. About that. Um, my little sister called me in the middle of the night um, several, several months ago, and she she's a mum of two kids. One of them is um, under one, and she called me with, do you know when a person just is beyond broken? Like they, the sound oh, of yeah. their voice, yeah. they're, <laughs> they're beyond tears, and you can hear it in their voice, and there's just that fragility, and the del- like the voice is just nearly, nearly breaking, and you can hear the sorrow behind the voice. And she called me up and she said, I had to take my daughter, she was taking her daughter for her her vaccinations and for some shots, and she had decided before she was going to take her daughter in that she wasn't going to let the nurse um, put anything into her daughter unless she had seen the batch number and the expiry date first. Now, when she was there, she she said to me, Hannah, I don't know, what what's wrong with me? Why can't why can't I protect my daughter? Because what had happened was the nurse had just proceeded to go, okay, let's put the shot in and put the the, the vaccination in to little Lila. And Jamie said, I just felt so scared and I froze and I, I wanted to say, no wait, let me check the batch number and the expiry date. But I was too intimidated to even this nurse, this friendly nurse, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop the situation and say, "Hang on a second, I just need to check this. I just need to check this." There's um, so much conditioning that happens to us, isn't there? So much conditioning that, you know, whether we're in that fight or flight, freeze response, or whether it is just conditioning of being, you know, the good girl and not speaking up and offending anyone. Exactly, exactly, and I think you know. It, I don't think it's just women who are affected by this this fear of, of being assertive. I do think men get affected by it too, but it's more often than not females. And it is because we are we are conditioned and we are raised to not kick up a fuss, not rock the boat, be agreeable, um, acquiesce, go with the flow. Uh, and so, you know, if, if you're a woman and people make people make you feel bad or make you feel like you're being high maintenance when you express emotions and when you express that something's not right you are conditioned to believe that you're the problem because you have complained you know you've heard the term being a Karen Mm -hmm. like complains about something then that means that that person is ungrateful or that person is um rocking the boat demanding being a buzzkill, yeah, like being being antagonistic and deliberately ruining the mood, which is actually a really great gaslighting technique because if someone's done the wrong thing, you should communicate that was wrong and that shouldn't have happened. But instead, we make the person calling the behaviour out feel bad. So understandably, a lot of people have developed this fear that if I communicate, when you called me an idiot it made me feel bad. Please don't call me an idiot again. We have this terrible fear that we're going to detonate a confrontation bomb and it's going to explode all over the walls and it will be awkward and and horrible and we'll get in trouble and we'll make the whole all of our fault. (laughs) Yeah. So we end up doing one of two things. We completely withdraw and ghost or we say nothing. And just let it keep happening. And there's an expense to our emotional wellness for both of those responses. If we kind of ghost or I guess you could use the term become avoidant and look away, you know, we kind of carry that mental load as well. But if we keep allowing it to happen, then it's going to keep eroding our, I don't know, self-confidence or our trust in ourselves. Uh, um, there's a really amazing theory called the polyvagal theory, and a lot of um, a lot of researchers had talk, uh, like talking about it now. So Dr. Banks, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, uh, they talk about. So you have a nerve in your brain. It's called the vagus nerve, and uh, a lot of people have heard of fight and flight. A lot of people have heard of the you know the fight flight system. There's also fight flight freeze where we we can't say anything or we faint we don't defend ourselves we just freeze 
or fawn, which is where you suck up to the aggressor and you try to ingratiate the aggressor and you get on side with some the person who's trying to hurt you by doing nice things for them to try to make them stop hurting you. So a lot of people have heard of fight and flight. Um, you also have this thing, the, the reason fight and flight turns on is because you have this, this little nerve in your brain called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve turns on and off. It modulates on and off like a muscle. It flexes when there's someone who's a threat, whether it's a physical threat or an emotional threat. And it turns off when there's a friend, you know, when there is someone who's a, a partner or a work colleague or somebody. Yeah, somebody who's in a position of trust and it turns on your your rest and restore system, your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, So it turns on the sympathetic nervous system, the fight and flight system when there's danger and it turns it off when there's supposed to be safety. Now, when, so the polyvagal theory is that when somebody is supposed to be in a position of kindness, so they're supposed to be a friend, they're supposed to be my, my lover, my partner, my family member, whoever it is, somebody who I trust and somebody who is supposed to be kind to me, but that person in that position of kindness does bad things to us physically, emotionally, they, they harass us, they abuse us, they do something bad to us your vagus nerve gets confused and just like a muscle it loses muscle tone so it's not as good at turning on and off at the right times so essentially we confuse we confuse this little nerve so it's firing when there's a friend around and it's not supposed to be and then it's when there's a danger around it's not sure when whether to fire or not fire because friends are foe and foe are friends and it gets really confused it's like an like an erosion of that muscle memory exactly and the the end end result of that is people who end up in this chronic adrenal overload because their fight and flight mode is constantly being turned on and their heart rate is going through the roof and their body is being flooded with cortisol and um, adrenaline and all of these stress hormones. And we end up in this state where if you've ever felt it, it's like deep in your bones, deep in your stomach, you feel a little shaky you feel like the ground isn't isn't quite firm underneath you in a metaphoric sense you feel like you're you feel quite anxious and you feel unsafe you feel hazy and dazed and just shaky is probably a, a good word it's like emotionally shaky i don't I, I don't feel okay kind of feeling i can definitely relate to that feeling and sometimes i feel quite um, the way that i would describe myself in that state is that i dissociate a bit yeah it's a really really awful place to be in but you've explained it so well and I think it makes so much sense that if we continue to kind of confuse the signals in our own internal workings things do start to sort of slip away or you know just become foggy yeah, well, I mean, I, I often say to, to people, your brain is actually so lazy. <laughs> Kylie, <laughs> laziest, the laziest organ in your body um, because it's always looking for shortcuts. It always wants to make things easier and take the minimal amount of energy to action. So if you think about like when you first started to learn a car, uh, learn to drive a car, a car, for example, or when you first started to learn to play an instrument, like playing the piano or something like that, the very first time you did those actions, it was really effortful. You had to think about everything, you know, with car driving, you couldn't have the air conditioner on or the radio on. You had to concentrate exactly on driving. And it was very, very stressful for you and poor old mum teaching you to drive beside you. Um, and then eventually with time, now we, you can drive a car and you don't, you don't even think about it. You know, you, you're on autopilot. Your body just knows exactly what to do. And that's because your brain has created a pathway. It's created a network where you can go on autopilot mode and it just actions this behavior because you've done it enough times now. You've been exposed to it enough times. It takes minimal effort to get that result. And, and that's kind of how your brain approaches everything in life which is an amazing superpower. It's how we learn, but it's also one of the reasons why we have difficulty with mental health issues. 
Mental health issues is when you are creating a repeated pattern, a repeated network in your brain of when I go into this house, when I talk to this person, when I have needs that need to be met, they don't get met again and again and again, this person yells at me, this person makes me feel bad, this person attacks me, whatever it might be, my opinion is worthless. You know, that repeated behaviour towards you again and again and again does create a network in your brain which then fires very easily and very readily. Um, And before you know it, you're going into, you know, self-protection mode really, really quickly and you're developing some core beliefs about you not being good enough or you not being valuable enough because your brain has kind of essentially been brainwashed to have all these really strong and quick networks in it because of the exposure to some toxic people in your life. And so when it comes then to creating new pathways and being able to actually practice flexing that assertion muscle for lack of a better expression where can people begin so say someone is experiencing a feeling of walking away from time with a friend and just going oh I don't feel good about this interaction how I guess my question is how does someone know whether it's a case of just pulling back in a friendship or ending a friendship completely and how how does asserting yourself come into that yeah and I, I like to say with, you know, the first, your first question, do I end it? Do I pull back? I think it really, I mean, we talk about this in the book a lot. Like, is it a, literally I talk about pulling back or breaking up. I think the steps in the lead up to that are communicating that there's an issue uh, to start with. You need to be able to communicate when you do X, it hurts me. Please don't do X again. And obviously that's very closely tied with being able to be assertive and say those words. Um, and then it just comes down to, you know, you've heard the saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If you've communicated that somebody's done the wrong thing and then they still do it again and again and again, that's a pretty good indication they lack the respect for you to treat you kindly, okay? And then it's 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 very you it's very um, idiosyncratic. It's up to you whether you feel like I need to do a breakup with this person or I need to pull back completely from this person. And that decision might be based on whether you have common friends, you know, whether you're related in some way, they're your sister-in-law, or they're likely to be the next person on your job interview panel. You might decide. Yeah, there are some logical things that you need to sort of consider, I guess, practical. Exactly. I might just decide I'm going to I'm gonna pull back on this and not send an official breakup message, but I will be much more thoughtful about how much time, effort and money I'm going to pour into this relationship from now on. Whereas other friends, you might decide this is really, really toxic. This is really abusive. And I need to send a very clear message that I can no longer put my mental health in this position anymore. And I need to, I need to end the friendship. Um, and obviously oh, that's a very scary message to send. And I, I do have a lot of templates in the book of like what you can say and, and example scripts. But I, I love your question about how does it tie into assertiveness? Um, I think, you know, there's two words I want two words I want people to remember if they remember anything from this, anything from this podcast. It's instinct, your gut instinct, and integrity. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Instinct and integrity. We all have a gut instinct, we all have intuition, we all have a heart, and you in your heart, in your heart of hearts, you always know, Kylie, you always know what is in your best interests in the long term. For yourself, for your family, you always know what's in your best interest for the long term. And you know how you always know this? Because after you commit to a decision, if you feel, have you ever felt that little bit of regret where you go, oh, I shouldn't have agreed to go and, you know, get up at six in the morning and set up for the bake sale and mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really have time to commit to going to the school carnival to be the, to be the supervisor, but I did it anyway. 
when you feel that regret feeling, that's because deep down in your heart, your intuition, your gut instinct actually knew what was in your best interest for you and the family, whether it was, you know, giving away your time, your energy or your money to someone or for something where you don't actually have the capacity to do that. And over time, when we've perpetually had, you know, our fight and flight system going alert, 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 like always being on, we kind of get disconnected from that intuition, from that instinct, from that heart. If you imagine, like, look at your own body in your mind's eye, your heart is kind of deep down in your chest. And if you look at your brain, brain level, you've got the screams and the shouts of stress and anxiety and pressure from other people screaming at head level, you know, in your ears. And what we need to have the capacity to do is to push those screams and shouts aside, which are very, very loud, push them aside and go down into our heart space, down into our intuition and sit with our heart for a minute and listen, listen, give it the space to talk to us and say, I don't actually want to do this. I don't want to commit to this. I'm not ready for this. And practice listening to our heart again and giving it the space to actually talk to us because it will talk to you. And some people say, oh, I I sat and I listened. You know, I went off to the bathroom and I sat for for a few minutes listening to my heart before I made that decision, Um, but I didn't hear anything. And that's a message as well, Kylie. That's a message as well. If your friend is pressuring you to, you know, loan them an amount of money you can't afford or go on a trip that you don't have the time to go on or hook up with someone who you don't want to be with, whatever the decision is, your heart will communicate something to you. And if it's not giving you an answer, that is telling you, I don't know yet. I'm uncertain. I'm not ready to make this decision and I need more time to think about it. And no no answer is an answer. (laughs) You know. Exactly. But we've got to give ourselves the space to go and do that. To go and sit somewhere, you know, do something for three minutes in the in the app, assert yourself, we have three minute meditations. And I'm sure people can find three minutes before you commit to something, before you pause when that friend has called you an idiot or they've insulted your outfit again, go to the bathroom, sit in a cubicle for three minutes and just connect with your heart and and find out what do I want to do? How do I want to approach this? And one thing that I love about that in particular, Hannah, is something I found myself with friendships in my 30s, having healthy boundaries and staying in integrity myself. It then, it's like a, it gives friends in my life permission to do it as well and I'm not just saying that it's all coming from me it's a flow you know when my friends put boundaries in place that then encourages me to put boundaries in my place and it kind of more normalizes that you know I guess drive to stay in integrity so it's really a service to the friendship as well yeah did you find your friendship flourished as a result of that Oh, absolutely. The friendships that I have in my life now versus friendships that I had, you know, five, 10 years ago are worlds apart. And I think staying in integrity and having healthy boundaries and most importantly, communicating boundaries and being respectful when others communicate theirs, like it's just such a game changer. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you've just reminded me that second word was integrity. And I think that is the, the word of my life, you know, Kylie, you cannot go wrong. You cannot go wrong. We all need it tattooed on our body, don't we? We all need, like, integrity on our hands so that every time we look down, we're like, oh, shit, am I out of integrity? Put it on your your iPhone home screen, integrity. Like, if you make sure that everything coming out of your mouth, everything that you do behavior-wise is with integrity, then you can be sure that if you cross paths with that person, you know, down the track one day, you can hold your head up high because you know whatever you said, you did it respectfully and in a non-malicious way. So what I mean by that is, 
you know, we get we get a bit afraid of, of telling someone when they've done the wrong thing. It's not about it's not about saying you, you know, you twat, You're you just bad. Yeah. yeah, how dare you screaming and yelling at them? It's not about that at all. It's about in a really calm voice, in a calm voice, not in an antagonistic voice, a mean voice or an aggressive voice, calmly saying to the person, when you called me an idiot, it really hurt my feelings. Please don't do that again. And that's, that doesn't, that's not a confrontation. That's you really kindly and calmly expressing when something was wrong. And if you don't feel like you have the um, ability to do that in person, which is completely fair as well, Kylie, totally fair if you're like, I'm too intimidated to do this in person, I need to practice this first through text, that's okay too. You're allowed to send a message after the fact, after it's happened and said, hey, you remember on Wednesday where you kept interrupting me at the table when I tried to speak? It actually really upset me. Can you please not do that to me again? You're allowed to send that in a message too. And anything that you say or do, if you do it with integrity, then you know that you have asserted your boundaries in a really healthy manner. You know that in your heart. Absolutely. And you mentioned the word effort as well earlier. And that's something that I just wanted to circle back to because I think sometimes people get confused or perhaps find it hard to know about the balance in a friendship. I think sometimes people think that they have to be giving, you know, exactly 50% all the time or it's a toxic friendship and not understanding that perhaps there are some times in life when one friend does need more and that's okay. As long as it kind of evens out over the space of a friendship, I'd love to touch on that. Yeah, I, you know, it's so interesting in the book we talk about, like, what is your currency? What is everyone's currency, really? And it's your time and your energy, right? Because time and energy equals money. (laughs) When you go to work, it's your time and your energy. Your best, your most valuable possession in this life is your time and where you put your energy. You know, you only get to live for so many hours, so many days, so many months, so many years. And you have some really important people in your life. You have little little mini yous, little human beings that came out of your body that are your children that you need to take care of. Um, And we have other priorities as our life changes. So, you know, when we're in our uni days, yep, we might have an abundance of time to sip daiquiris at the bar with our mates. And then when, (laughs) when life shifts into, you know, I've created business for myself, I'm investing in my career, I'm investing in my education, or I've started a family. Um, that is, you know, we call it didactic withdrawals. Literally the word for energy shift is didactic withdrawals, where you take energy out of one part of your identity and you put it into a new part of your identity, a new formation of something different. I'm now a mum. I'm now a business owner. I'm now a boss lady who runs a podcast. <laughs> and, so, and sometimes those season shifts line up. You know, sometimes your friends are going through the same thing, so they totally get it. But then there are so many more times, I think, when we're moving through different seasons at a different rate. And I think that's where it comes back to, like, the question on effort you know because if someone is going through this season of their life where they've got a newborn their effort with the friendship it shifts absolutely and the research on when you have a newborn is actually that you you become much more insular because to survive that first two years you really do it's really just about a partner maybe mum maybe neighbor you're surviving you know you're barely getting in the shower right you mm-hmm. It's in survival mode. So, you know, understandably, you don't have the, the oodles and oodles of time to invest in the friendship anymore. Um, and now, you know, I am a firm, firm believer. I've got the pillars of what I think a, a good friendship is, which is, you know, trust. You need to be able to trust them, support. They need to be supportive of you. Affection, you know, they need to be kind to you and respect. They need to have some respect for your life choices and and not feel like they're better than you in some way. And that all sits under the overarching umbrella 
of reciprocity, being reciprocal, a give and a take, a back and forth. And you're absolutely right there. It's totally normal. And we know this with longitudinal studies in the literature. It is so very normal for friendships to ebb and flow over the course of your life. And sometimes one person's putting more effort in and sometimes somebody's putting less effort in as as their needs shift and as their needs change. And I I sort of think, you know, yes, it is totally reasonable for you to expect some degree of reciprocity in your friendship. You are absolutely entitled to expect to receive something from that friend. But the things I'm talking about receiving are trust, support, affection, and respect. Okay. I was just going to say just on that, I think some people really struggle with even expecting anything from a friend sometimes. It's like they they don't realize that relationships do actually have that energy exchange and that give and take, and that's normal. You have to get something from the relationship. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) The first chapter in the book is all about what is your understanding of a friendship and checking in, you know, what do you define friendship as? And, and the reality check of, oh my gosh, it's so, so normal for you to expect to receive something from your friend. It is supposed to be a reciprocal relationship. And it's not that we're asking for them to buy us, you know, a yacht and matching boat shoes. That's not what <laughs> reciprocity means. We're talking about expecting trust expecting support, expecting affection, and expecting respect from that person. Um, and sometimes that the level of support might change as you're both very busy in life. And you might have those friends who you catch up with once every six months, but it's like it's like you saw them yesterday and you love each other dearly. It's just that the situation in your life is such that you have no capacity at that time for anything but your immediate family and your work because because you're really, really busy at that time. And that might shift again as children get older and your business gets more established and your worlds can kind of come back together again. And that's kind of where we expect the give and take. Sometimes you're going to be more lenient with the friend and you're going to go, yep, she doesn't have time to return my calls right now. She doesn't have time to go for, you know, for lunch or a regular catch-ups, but I know she still loves me. She still checks in with me. We chat occasionally. And when we do catch up, it's really, really beautiful. And I'm going to, she's, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and she's going to give me the benefit of the doubt. But when it flicks over to somebody asking for a lot of you, asking for your time, asking for your energy, asking for your money, and never, ever giving anything back, this is where I say connect with your heart space, connect with your intuition and your gut instinct. You know deep down if this is causing you hurt, if it's causing you pain, and if you might need to communicate, hey, I feel like I'm always here for you, but when I need you, you're not here for me. Having a conversation about that where the person can say, I'm really sorry, I've dropped the ball, I'm really busy, or it's a situation of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me because they they have withdrawn how much they care and their level of respect and it's slipped into being toxic and that's something you have to connect with your heart to figure out what's going on for you. And in a way, I think we need to be having more conversations, Hannah, and that's why I love your book so much, surrounding normalising the fact that there are some people that come into our life for a season and then that's it. You know, it's like, you know, when we have relationships, you might have a boyfriend for a season or a reason and then you move on and that's okay and it doesn't have to be a reflection of you being a bad person or them being a bad person. It's just like, okay, things are different now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, I love that you asked that because I did a lot of research into um, the science of friendship and it's so normal for you to have different friends at different periods of your life. And it's not about, I think we live in a society where we've we've grown accustomed to the idea of popularity, collecting friends, getting so many likes on our Instagram posts, having so many followers, followers, having so many people at the party, you know, the invite invitee list to the function has to be big and it's so embarrassing if nobody shows up or only a couple people show up. And this pressure that's been put on us in society to appear like we have oodles and oodles and oodles of friends. You know, you've seen the posts where it's some 
birthday and they they stand in their group and they've just they just seem to have hundreds of friends and they're all wearing matching outfits. I was just gonna say they're all in the exact same <laughs> nude tone. Yeah, they've all got they've all got their cupcakes <laughs> and you know and behind a balloon garland and it's on a yeah. yacht and the yacht's floating on a cake of chocolate chocolate fountain like <laughs> out of control. And you're like, oh my gosh, well, I don't have that many friends. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? Absolutely not. You know, social media is a fantastic beast. And a lot of what you see on social media is somewhat contrived and very um, curated. So, you know, it's totally normal for us to compare ourselves to others, but don't adjust your expectations on what's normal. I am telling you, I am telling you, it's totally normal for you to have a few good friends, not lots and lots and lots of mediocre ones. In fact, your brain can't even handle that many close, close friends. You know, we have theories like the Dunbar number, which is how many friends or how many very, 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 very close relationships your brain can actually even handle. And as the level of closeness and complexity of the relationship changes, the more close they are, the more complex the relationship, the fewer people you can handle on that level, right? So the Dunbar number is is five, five very, 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 very close people. And that includes family members, partners, children. Um, so, you know, if you think of like, who do you see every single day? Who do you speak to every single day? And that might be partner, children, mum, sister, maybe, maybe, one super, super close friend who you chat with once every few days, once a week. And if you think about your schedule, how you don't have time, who has time? You don't really have time to talk to five different friends every single day. You, you won't have time to do that and have a meaningful depth to the conversation. Um, and then less close friends, people who are friends, but they're not as close, you can handle about 15 to 20 on that level. And those are people you might catch up with once a month. Uh, And then you've got 50 on an even less close level. So people who you know, who you're friendly with, who catch up with maybe every three or six months. Um, So, you know, this expectation that we have oodles and oodles and oodles of best friends who love and adore us is just a fallacy. It's not necessarily true. And the literature is really, really clear to, to reap the positive benefits of having a good friend. And there are a lot of amazing benefits for your body and your brain. You actually, it's not about the number of friends, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality of the friendship. So one or two great friends is worth their weight in gold for you. Absolutely. And I could not agree more with the whole concept. And obviously, who am I to agree? There are, you know, there are proper scientific theories about it, about only having, you know, a handful of close people in your life, because that's what you can realistically manage to service and enjoy and benefit from. I know that there will be people listening who want to ask the question, how do they make friends? How do they find friends when they're in a new season of their life? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this question. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a stat, Kylie, which you can be like, oh, my gosh, that's a sad stat. Or you can look at it like, oh, my gosh, that is a stat that tells us there's lots of opportunity out there, okay? <laughs> so when I did um, some research into this, the some of the leading studies in Australia, so this is specific to Australians, is saying that a lot of Aussies, one in two in fact, one in two, so every second person you see, half of us feel lonely, feel lonely. Now, that is a sad statistic. I understand that that's quite sad. But you know what that also means? That also means that every second person that you see is interested in not feeling as lonely you know half of Australians are saying that they feel like they have no close friends which means that you have the potential to form relationships with half the population because they want this too they want good same boat 
And it's so beautiful when you make friends in adult life, not because of default you just happen to go to school together when you're teenagers and you were in the same place at the same time so you were friends. When you actually choose friends as an adult, often both of both parties have a greater appreciation for friendships and a good quality friendship because we all been there, right? And we know what it's like mm. to have the crappy ones. So um, I I like to always kind of, ask another question back when people say how do I actually make friends I say well well, what have you tried what have you actively tried um and a lot of people kind of falter at that point like oh uh and they can't they can't really answer me um so you know it's a great time to be alive right now Kylie we have we have the technology to to create opportunities to make friends so there's there's apps like meetup and bumble friends and there's also an abundance of all sorts of different hobbies that you can participate in so if you can figure out you know if you're essentially if you're taking that energy away from a toxic relationship all that time all that energy all that money you're taking that back okay you're, you're taking back your energy you can reinvest that time energy and money into something you like you know maybe it's writing a book maybe it's making a podcast maybe it's learning to salsa that was one of mine you know I wanted I really wanted to learn to salsa and then when you go to that event or you go to that hobby and you place yourself in that learning environment and you go back every week and you learn to do your watercolor you learn your Italian whatever it is because you are investing in what you love and yourself that repeated exposure to that community who's also learning something that you all share an interest in, that actually fosters the ability to make new friends because you're going back regularly, you're seeing the same people again and again and again, you're entering a community. There are so many little communities that exist with, you know, dance class or um, writers group or chess club. There are little bubbles of communities that you can go and join if you choose to put yourself, give yourself a little bit of time and go and do something you love. And then you'll meet people by doing that. And, and what happens is you, you'll start to form friendships. Uh, and it's a really beautiful way to make friends because you know you have a shared interest. But you actually, the, I mean, the, the fact of the matter, Kylie, is you actually have to put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there. And I know a lot of people cringe when they think of that. But if you, you don't have to go out there intending to make new friends. If you yeah, find you don't, some- you don't need to go out wearing a shirt that says I'm looking for a friend. Oh, it is. It, it's the common interest thing, isn't it? And I think that's why often when women become mums, your friendship circle does change a lot because your common interest is your child. And so you go to the park and I think it's so much easier as a mum often to make friends because you do have that common common ground to start with. Yeah. And you're both like at the height of, you know, this really, really rewarding and difficult time and you can bond over it. Um, but I, yeah, I just think the best principle that I can really suggest is if you reinvest that time and energy into yourself and what's the one thing you've always wanted to do? Is it writing a book? Is it learning to play chess like a pro? Is it learning to salsa? Is it learning to watercolor and try your hand at art? Is it doing pottery? You know, can you afford to go to that one hour class once or twice a week for you, which is so important for your mental health, especially when we are isolated and raising children. You, You really, really, really do need to value yourself enough to say, I deserve one hour a week, two hours in total, half an hour to get there, half an hour to get home. I can get mum to babysit. I can get someone to babysit. You know, um, I'm going to go and do this class for me. I'm going to go put my mental health first so I can come back and be a better version of me after I've had a break. Well, there's Um, such an element there. Sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say there's such an element of, okay, if you actually let go of friendships that aren't serving you and turn your energy towards being your own best friend, you're going to attract people in that are going to be more aligned with the season of your life that you're currently at. Absolutely. And you know what? I have to say, it is okay 
it is okay for you to put your mental health first. It is okay for you to put your mental health first. That is not selfish. That is not you taking away from your child. That is not you taking away from your family. You need to not just survive, but be happy. You deserve to be happy. You're allowed to be happy. And you're allowed to put the time and the energy into the things that you need to feel happy and you'll be a better person for it. Absolutely. I love that. And now your book is called How to Break Up with Friends and it's so great. It's filled with really, really practical um, and also nourishing advice. So I definitely encourage our listeners to grab a copy of your book so that they can find out how they might benefit from perhaps letting go of some friendships that are no longer serving them. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I mean, if all you can do is get to Big W on your way to grab some diapers, it is actually in Big W, uh, <laughs> other bookstores. But my fave is it's on Audible as well. So sometimes I'm a, I'm a massive audiobook fiend. I don't know about you, Kylie, but, you know, those little trips to and from picking somebody up, the 15 Absolutely. minutes to yourself, that, that's when I plug in my audiobooks. <laughs> I am all about it. And I'm just going to ask one Final question, which it could be a bit of a big question, but it's one that I had written down, Hannah, because I think people will be interested to know your approach just before I let you get on with your day. When it comes to ending friendships, are you a fan of a soft ghost approach or are you a fan of a direct approach? <laughs> I, I am not an advocate for ghosting. I think there's a difference a very big difference between ghosting and um, what I would like to call the silent slip away where one readjusts their effort, their time and their money that they put into the friendship. You don't disappear. You don't fake your own death. You don't um, stop acknowledging that person's existence. You're, you're just choosing how much time and energy and money you're going to pour into that friendship and you're readjusting it. So yes, I'm going to speak to you at the reunion, the high school reunion. I'm going to be polite to you. I'm going to be kind to you. I can stand in a group because we have a lot of mutual friends and acknowledge you and be polite and courteous and um, cordial and have integrity. But no, I am not going to pay to come to your birthday. I'm not going to go across town and buy you a present. I'm not going to fly interstate for your 30th because the dynamic of our friendship has changed. You know, I might still say happy birthday on your Facebook feed, but I am not putting my time, my energy and my money into this relationship like I used to. Now, I think that's very different to ghosting. Ghosting is I'm disappearing. I'm not acknowledging you. I'm blocking you. I'm deleting you off everything. And I'm going to pretend as far as you're concerned, we don't exist exist anymore uh and i think those two are very 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 different um and i i think one of them has integrity and the other one is well i mean it's ghosting isn't it mm. uh, and and you have more integrity than that you you don't need to lower yourself to that level um and if you do feel like well hang on a second hannah this person you won't believe what this person did to me. They, you know, they hit on my husband or they, um, they stole from my house or something really horrible. Well, you know what? That is when a breakup is required. That is when a direct message is required where you say explicitly to that person, I am no longer in the place where I can give the time and the energy to this friendship. So I wish you all the best, but I'm going to be ending the friendship now. And if that person's like, tell me why, tell me why, tell me why, well, that ain't the time. That ain't the time to air your dirty laundry. They had lots of opportunities to correct their behavior or they've done something that you, you just can't get past, you can't move past. And you're allowed to say, um, my mental health is not in a place where I can discuss this. I'll let you know if that changes. And then no more messages. But you have made it clear I'm ending this friendship. And that's different to ghosting as well because you've made it really clear with integrity and with some self-respect, you know what, I'm not putting my time and energy into this friendship anymore. I'm putting my mental health first. I'm putting my mental health first now. And that's also okay too. You have shared so much helpful information today and I know that people will take a lot away from this chat. Where can the community, the listeners, connect with you, Hannah? 
Oh, thank you so much. It's been a really fun one. Thanks for all your amazing questions, Kylie. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm I'm the no bull psych. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook as well, Dr. Hannah Coral. And then, of course, you know, if you want to check out the book, which I would absolutely love, pop in a review because I love, I love, love, love getting feedback from people, especially when it's telling me, um, you know, you can relate and I definitely want your feedback if you if you feel like you have a friend in need, um, you know, connect connect to the community. There's a whole lot of people out there who feel the same as you do. You're you're not alone. No, I'm sure that our listeners will definitely jump across, and I'll put all of those details in the show notes as well. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much. Yeah.